I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. I am so glad to be here this week. I am just ecstatic that I get to be here and you get to be here with me. Uh, every time that bumper music rolls, I my pulse quickens. I just get excited because it means I get to be here doing the thing I love. I mean, yeah, that's not even true because when I hear that bumper music play on the commercial that's announcing that we're going to be doing this, I get excited. I just love uh, being able to come together with you every week to talk about the foundations and implications of our faith. Uh, now, that music is graciously given to us by uh, Andy Golohorn and his wife, Jill Phillips. You can find out more of their music over at rabbitroom.com. Uh, and I encourage you to go to look at their stuff, not only because they would, they've been exceptionally gracious to us for the duration of our show, letting us use that music, but also just because they've got some really good stuff, and I like it. Uh, we did a show with Andy a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of months back now. Uh, you can get to that in the archives. We were talking about the power of a story and I had him on coming and talking about the power of a story in music, in art. Uh, and we played some of his stuff there. Uh, you can go back to the archives at OutsideTheWalls.com. Click on that episode archive. Scroll back through till you see Andy Gullahorn. And if you missed that show, it's a great one. Go back and listen to it. Uh, but no, that's not the only reason uh, that I am so glad to be here this week. Last week, we talked about, uh, I, I have volunteered to work with the youth, and I needed your prayers. And, and uh, uh, some of you prayed for me, and thank you so much. Uh, we had a small turnout, and that's, that's how you begin. You begin with a small group. That's how Jesus began, and that's how we're going to do it. Uh, I did survive youth group, but only barely. Uh, I was feeling fine. Everything was well. Uh, we, I, I had things mainly planned out. We went in somewhat prepared and did our thing. And towards the end of it, my, my, I started to get a little sore throat and I started having a little drainage. I'm thinking, well, you know, it's, it's allergy season. That's probably what's going on. And uh, shooed the last of the, uh, the youth off. And my, uh, my helper, uh, the person who's done it for years and years, so really I was probably more their helper, uh, but the person who was there assisting um, we got everything locked up, and as I got into my car, I just started shaking uncontrollably. And I, I drove the few blocks home, just kind of hanging on there and saying, oh, dear Jesus, let's let's make it through this. Uh, I got home. I walked in. It was still pretty early. I walked in. I went straight to bed. I said, I'm not feeling well. I'm laying down. And I... I I got something bad. I think it was... My wife is convinced it was the flu. Uh, but I, I'm sitting there just shaking. And I haven't had the flu in years. My whole concept of the flu is like something in your stomach that you you feel bad in your stomach. And I felt fine there. Um, but I ended up with just the kind of high fever that you hear words coming out of your mouth that you don't have any control over making, right? You just are saying things. I'm like, hmm, this is probably not good. I should probably take some ibuprofen because I'm generally of the opinion that a fever is there to do a job and it's burning out the bad things. And so you, you don't really medicate a fever. Uh, you let it do. But, but once it starts taking over other things and making, you know, I just start saying words, random nonsensical words. I'm like, you know what? It's, it's time for some medicine. 
so I was out for two solid days. Could not get out of bed. And I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to get out of this bed again. This is going to kill me right here. Um, and so, yeah, it was, I, I find the fever broke, right? I got up, I'm excited. I'm like, okay, fever broke in the night. I'm still contagious for 24 hours, but I can at least get up and do things. So I went up and I ate for the first time at the uh, 24 hours. I don't think I ate anything. Uh, I got up and I, I like, all right, I lost the fever. Great. And I ate breakfast. I had, uh, two cinnamon rolls, two small cinnamon rolls, uh, homemade. And cause my wife is awesome. First of all, she's a saint. She put up with me while I was sick, but she made cinnamon rolls and I ate two of them and I finished and I'm like, and I'm going back to sleep. And I was down again till like one o'clock in the afternoon from that morning. So, I mean, just, I was completely out of the game and I'm thinking this is not even, oh, I'm going to muscle through it and do a show. There's, nothing's happening this time. I, I'm just, I can't, I can't do anything. And that's just an awful feeling. Uh, and so I wanted to share that awful, awful feeling with you. No. Um, but during that time, I, uh, I had no appetite, none. It wasn't that uh, I didn't want to eat or I didn't have time to eat or I didn't feel, um, you know, feel well to my stomach. All of that was fine. I didn't feel off in my stomach, but I had no appetite. Nothing sounded good. Uh, at one point, she's like, you need to eat something. What is it? I'm like, well, probably something cold and soft. So we we did jello because that's what you do when you're sick. Uh and, you know, I, I didn't want it. I didn't want anything that I ended up eating that, those two days. But I made myself do it because I needed something. And sometimes, ah, see, I was, you knew I was going to go somewhere with this. Sometimes I feel that way in life. Not, not with my appetite, but with my interest in other things. And this political season is doing that to me. Nothing seems appetizing. Uh, I don't have a topic in, in sight that, that I look at and say, you know what, for the next few weeks, this is what I want to talk about on the show because these are really good talk. No, nothing looks good to me because this whole political season is so sickening. It's sickening to see, uh, the, the two parties both clinging to the things that make them the worst. And that's a really difficult thing for me because, you know, I come from uh, this middle ground that, that Catholicism has foisted upon me of being very uh, morally conservative. You know, uh, the uh, upholding the, the, the dignity of uh, the unborn, upholding the sanctity of marriage. Uh, those are things that are very important to me. Upholding the, the, the dignity of uh, the aging. That's very important to me. Uh, the questions of, of scientific ethics, that's very important to me. These are things that I don't really want to budge on in the slightest. And then on the other hand, uh, I'm very much, uh, and you can catch this in, in my uh, show with um, Sam Rocha about immigration, I'm very much in favor of uh, just immigration laws. I'm not, uh, people accuse me of being for open borders. I'm not for open borders, but I am for looking at the laws that we have and seeing them for their intrinsic injustice uh, 
and, and saying, rather than, oh, well, we just need to enforce the laws we have, saying instead, we need to come up with some common sense, just moral laws regarding the, the migration of people, and then enforce those laws, right? Uh, and so on, on, there's just no place for me to land. Uh, the church has a preferential option for the poor, and one party is just completely against that whatsoever, uh, or, or has, I don't know, just, uh, don't get me started. You already did. Thanks. Uh, so, and, and really, I'm just sick to my stomach, right? I, I, I am so uh, feverish in, in the response to the foreign objects in our political system here uh, that nothing sounds appealing. And so where do we turn in those moments? Where do we turn when everywhere we look is uh, this horrifying display of really transgressions against our faith? Our politics currently is transgressing against our faith in a very serious way. Uh, what do we do? Well, we realize we can't do anything. We realize that we, you and I, my friend, we are strangers. We are passing through, and our citizenship is in heaven. Now, we have to be responsible citizens while we're here. We have to uh, care for the common good of our brothers and our sisters and our nation. But we are God's servants first. We are citizens of heaven first. And so we commit ourselves to prayer. And today we're going to be talking about how prayer is going to make a difference in some of these very, what are considered political issues. Uh, we're going to be talking with a friend of mine. Steve Carlin is the director of North American Campaigns for 40 Days for Life. And this topic of abortion is one that's been divisive for over 40 years. And the solution to it that, that has been proving very effective over the last uh, oh, eight years now is uh, eight, nine years now is this very intensive prayer campaign, this prayer campaign called 40 Days for Life. We're going to talk about uh, what 40 Days for Life is, what it looks like, and how this peaceful, prayerful approach can make the difference when everything else seems disheartening and unappealing and unappetizing. I hope that you have been well. I hope that you have not succumbed to the same kind of both either physical or spiritual uh, feverishness that I succumbed to this past week. I hope that you have had just a blissful week. Uh, but why don't you come and tell me about your week over on social media? Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. Uh, and tell me, tell me a story of one of those times that you just got sicker than you were expecting to. How did it turn out? I want to know. I'm curious. I want to know if I'm the only one. Oh, gracious. We'll be right back after this with so much more. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking through the break. 
Well, it's that time of year again. No, no, not time for pumpkin spice lattes. That's not the way I roll. No, uh, it's almost time for 40 Days for Life to be back in your area. Uh, now, I, I have a there's not a whole lot of programs or activities or events that go on out there that that I have uh, a loyalty to that I take part in every single year. I'm not a sports guy. I don't follow uh, any specific team. I'm not on anybody's schedule except except for the fine folks over at 40 Days for Life. I am on their schedule. Uh, and today I have the great pleasure of having on air today uh, Steve Carlin, director of the North American Campaigns for 40 Days for Life. Steve, thanks for being here today. Hey, Timothy. Thank you so very much for having me. So, you know, 40 Days for Life is such... Uh, a breath of fresh air because I grew up in um, in a very pro life home. I grew up uh, around the uh, the '80s and the early '90s when pro life activism was first getting very prominent, right? And there was a very certain way things were done. Uh, and and I grew up very, I, you know, I wore the shirts that said, "As a former fetus, I oppose abortion," and all the other little pithy statements that were out there. Uh, and then when I was 16, uh, as I call it, my Augustinian youth, uh, I became an, uh, a father in an unplanned pregnancy, right? And, and I experienced the fear and the trauma and everything else to the degree that I, as the father, would as opposed to a, a mother. Um, and if it weren't for the people who were around me, um, one of my mom's very close friends worked at a crisis pregnancy center. Uh, I would have had a very different experience. And so what I so appreciate about 40 Days for Life is the overt uh, principle that this is not a protest. It's a time of prayer together, right? And the, the prayer and fasting, the community outreach, and the peaceful vigil that set it apart from every other kind of protest I've seen and puts more emphasis on the dignity of not only the baby, but the mother and the abortion clinic worker. Uh, and so I, I just really appreciate that uh, about what you do with 40 Days for Life. For those who have never heard of 40 Days for Life before, why don't you give me just a real quick rundown of uh, what the principles are and what it looks like? Sure. 40 Days for Life is an internationally coordinated campaign that aims to peacefully end abortion through three simple components, which you just mentioned. 40 Days of Prayer and Fasting, 40 Days of Community Education, community outreach to educate the public on the tragic reality of abortion, the local crisis of abortion, and 40 days of a peaceful prayer vigil, praying all day, every day in front of the facilities where abortions are performed and where they're sold and in communities that are blessed to not have any abortion businesses, right out somewhere in the public where that public witness can take place and influence perhaps members of the community who are traveling to another community to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I helped had this up in the Tulsa area when I lived there. I, I did four campaigns there. And uh, one of the very interesting things was there you had the traditional protesters uh, who were out there with use, with graphic signs or with bullhorns or, or whatever else they had. And people could tell the difference uh, between those who were there in prayer and those who were not. And sometimes they would even come and approach us who were there in prayer uh, and, and have conversation. And so just what an, an amazing thing uh, being there in vigil is, even as it can be heartbreaking sometimes, uh, it's just an, an uplifting and amazing thing to be uh, 
present in prayer in a place where really there's a lot of darkness. There is a lot of darkness, and I uh, have been greatly inspired by the work of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, now St. Teresa of Calcutta. Mm -hmm. My daughter is named after her, and one of her continuing themes, and of course it's a theme throughout the gospel as well, is the importance of bringing light into the darkness. And there is no source of greater darkness, I might suggest, in our world today than the evil of abortion. And if we can go there and bring the light of Christ to the most desperate, most miserable place on the face of the earth— what a great gift that is to us as people of faith. So I think it's an opportunity to share the love of Christ. People don't show up at an abortion facility because they're loved. They show up because they're isolated, they're alone. And, uh, you know, Pope Francis has often used the word accompaniment. And mm -hmm. if we can help accompany a woman through a crisis pregnancy to birth and beyond, that is, I think, really a great fulfillment of our call as disciples of Christ. But you had uh, much more success even than just babies saved. You've had more success than just clinics closed. You've had conversions of heart for people who work in uh, those facilities. You've had uh, 113 workers, or is 113 or 133? 133. 133 workers who have, through the coming out and interacting with the people who are out there praying, who have said, you know what, this isn't what I want to do with my life and who have been accompanied by the people of 40 Days for Life uh, to help them find other employment. Nobody grows up saying, when I grow up, I want to work in an abortion center. It just mm -hmm. doesn't happen. People find themselves there for a variety of reasons, just the same as women getting abortions find themselves at an abortion facility for a variety of reasons. But none of those reasons is because they want to be there. And so we find that the Peaceful Witness provides uh, a non-judgmental opportunity for these workers to come out and to find the light and the healing that Christ provides. We had a campaign in Texas where day one of the campaign, the uh, manager of the Planned Parenthood Center down in Sherman, Texas, came running out and asked the people praying on the sidewalk, is this a 40 Days for Life campaign? And they said, yes. And she said, I'm so glad you're here. She had been starting to listen to Catholic radio, shows the importance of your apostolate here, Timothy. And uh, she learned a little bit about 40 Days for Life. She ended up leaving her job. The clinic ended up closing. And, you know, we often say this is sort of an anomaly. We see a lot of workers quit. It's very right. rare on day one. It's usually right. day 30, day 35, day 40, where there's a cumulative impact of that prayer and witness and the impact on the conscience of an abortion worker. But it just goes to show that in this culture where we sometimes hear things like, well, I'll never convince you. You'll never convince me. We have to agree to disagree. That uh, That's an attitude of despair. There is great reason for hope, and we have 133, just that we know of, examples of people who are making their livelihood an abortion who decided to pursue another path. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about some of the, you know, the, the vigil is the very visible part of this, and everyone sees the vigil. Uh, maybe they've driven by one, or they that when they think forty days for life, they think that vigil taking place for forty days. But there's more to it than that. So uh, let's take this in, in blocks. Talk to me a little bit about what the, what does this forty days of prayer and fasting look like outside of the vigil itself? Sure, prayer and fasting should really be the bedrock that all that we do as people of faith is built upon. 
And uh, prayer, simply put, I mean, hopefully that doesn't require too much explanation, but if we trust our Lord, we want to pray. And that includes at the vigil, but it also includes outside the vigil. And in fact, there are some people that participate in 40 Days for Life that simply can't get to the vigil. We have had prison ministries actively involved in praying overnight hours at a vigil. Of course, they can't come out. We've had cloistered religious in monasteries and convents that are actively participating in the campaign. We've had people are homebound or post-abortive mothers who aren't in a state of healing yet where they can go out to the vigil participating on it. So any type of prayer is absolutely essential. Fasting, I think, is a little bit more of a lost art. And we don't always hear a ton about fasting in this day and age. And somebody on a practical level might say, well, you know, not eating, how is that going to save a life from abortion? Something I find interesting, though, is there's a great uh, intrigue in fasting. People want to know more about it. A couple of years ago, I wrote a blog post for 40daysforlife.com about fasting and you know, thought it might be interesting to some people. It was one of our most read, most shared, most commented on aspects. We hmm. turned it into a 40 Days for Life podcast on fasting. It was one of the most listened to. I've spoken to youth about it, and they love to hear about fasting. And I think the key to fasting is not only is it something that we see over and over again in tradition and in scripture where Jesus fasts and he tells us how to fast, but it's something that has a practical purpose, too, in that in this world full of distractions, when we can give up something that gives us pleasure, that gives us comfort, that gives us enjoyment, it tunes out those distractions and allows us to really hone in on our relationship with the Lord and on our prayer life. Mm-hmm. So you have people who say, oh, well, you know, I, 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 my church, we took our day at the vigil and we did our 40-day for life thing. But really, uh, every single day, even if you can only devote five minutes a day, uh, you can spend time praying that day, every day for those 40 days, uh, for the peaceful end to abortion. And one of the ways that you all do that uh, and provide tools for that is you have daily devotionals that come out through the 40 Days for Life website, right? Yes. If you go to 40daysforlife.com, right in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see the opportunity to sign up for our email list. And during each 40 Days for Life campaign, we'll send you out a lot of exciting news about what's going on in the campaign worldwide. But I think one of the things that people really enjoy about getting these emails is that there's a daily devotional. Starting the day before day one and closing the day after day 40, we've got a prayer and a devotional and a reflection that everybody can join in. So we've got you know all different countries countries, different cultures, different languages joining in on this worldwide prayer campaign, but all one shared language of prayer. And we can know that we're praying the same prayer that somebody over in Moscow or in South Africa is praying. I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, so if you, uh, wherever you are, uh, anywhere in the world, go to 40daysforlife.com. It's 40days4forlife.com, 40daysforlife.com. Uh, and there's a great big map there. It's going to show you all the locations. Uh, how many locations do you have this this cycle? Worldwide, we've got 367. So there's a, like, a strong likelihood that there's one near you. Go to 40daysforlife.com, look up that map, uh, find what your local area is, and, and we're going to come back right after this break and talk a little bit more with Steve Carlin about what this year looks like and what you can do to help. Uh, Of course, we're talking today with Steve Carlin, the director of North American Campaigns for 40 Days for Life, uh, and uh, talking about what the 40 Days for Life program looks like. I hope you'll be involved this year. I know I will, right where I am here in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, Look for your local areas to be involved in this great work. 
why don't you join me over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And talk to me about your experience in standing for life. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I am your host, Timothy Putnam. Oh, so glad to have you here today as we talk with Steve Carlin, the director of North American Campaigns for 40 Days for Life, a program I uh, was blessed to participate with. I was a campaign director for the Tulsa area for four years. Uh, Now I I moved into Kentucky and found out that one of my coworkers is heading it up here and the meetings are across the street. And so lo and behold, I find myself involved again in a campaign. Uh, Always a great pleasure. Steve, thanks for being on the show today. It is a great pleasure. I know we've done it once before, and I'm so glad you invited me back. Well, I wanted to talk about some of the things that we don't often get to talk about. You know, we we see and talk about the impacts of 40 Days for Life in general. Uh, there have been some massive impacts. Uh, over 11,000 uh, children confirmed that through the efforts of 40 Days for Life have come forward and said, uh, you know, I was planning on having this abortion, but because you were out here praying for me and available to talk to, I'm not going to do it now. And that's not a small number. Uh, That's since 2007. Uh, You've had 133 abortion workers leave their their jobs and find other work accompanied by and through conversations with people who are involved in 40 Days for Life. And uh, I don't have the clinic number. 75, right? 75 75 now. 75 uh, facilities, abortion facilities have closed. uh, And that number is growing. And it's, it's happening... Uh, as a direct result of prayer. And, you know, I, we, we forget this. Uh, we, we look towards political action. We look towards legislative action. Uh, and that's been the traditional way that the pro-life community has approached this to try and take it to the courts. And we've seen uh, year after year of maybe some state success, but overall we've seen uh, what, what I think... Um, Tolkien called the long defeat, right? It's been a very difficult process. Uh, and then y'all sat, y'all sat down around the table and said, you know, why don't we pray about this? And out of that prayer, from four people, now you've had the prayers of hundreds of thousands around the world joined to that, just based on that first meeting, saying, you know what, maybe like Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament— Maybe we need to send the people praying before we send the warriors, right? Maybe, maybe we should put the prayers at the front of the, the battle lines. And what a difference it's made just in, in the speed and the scope of which we've seen things changing over the last few years. And I credit that largely to the people of 40 Days for Life. I, I appreciate the fact that you emphasize in all of your literature that this is not about politics. Don't bring them up in any of your uh, conversations. This is not about legislation. This is about a time for Christians across denominational spectrums to come together and to pray. Uh, And so I wanted to talk to you today about the lesser uh, emphasized aspects of 40 Days for Life. We talked about the prayer and fasting in this last uh, segment. I want to talk to you about community outreach. Let's, uh, what is community outreach look like for a successful 40 Days for Life campaign? 
Community outreach is simply educating the public on the tragic reality of abortion, in particular that it's a local crisis. We're always looking toward Washington, D.C., and abortions don't take place in the White House or in the Supreme Court or on Capitol Hill. They really take place in the communities that we live in, that we work in, where we go to church. And so it's important for us to be aware of how abortion is harming women, harming children in our community, and threatening even the very fabric of the communities that we live in. So community outreach really requires us to to not just educate our fellow community members, but also to direct them to prayer and to that peaceful action of a 40 Days for Life campaign. Believe it or not, you know many of us who are people of faith or we're pro-lifers, we know all the statistics, we know all of the facts about abortion. Many people who are deeply pro-life don't realize that they could be going to church just across the street from an abortion center or going to work driving down the street past the abortion center. It's real, it's there, and uh, when people are aware of it, they oftentimes are motivated to take action, whether that's through 40 Days for Life or supporting a pregnancy center or learning to sidewalk counsel. So many ways to get involved, but that outreach is really the catalyst that -hmm. gets people to get off the couch. You know, I I see this. The numbers are so immense. We talk in the millions of of children that are lost to abortion each year. And when I did the research for Tulsa, and I haven't done the research here yet, uh, but when I did the research in Tulsa and found out that we were losing an average of eight children a day in one location, uh, that that puts a different perspective on it. Now, now it's uh, it's an understandable number. Um, you know the millions get so unfathomable that we can't even wrap our, our minds around what that looks like. Now you say 40 a week, that's two kindergarten classes every week that are empty because this place exists, right? It, and so that gives it a, a more, wow, this really is a local issue. This isn't a, a national issue with national numbers and national solutions. This is a, a local issue with local solutions, There's that saying that one lost life is a tragedy, but a million is merely a statistic. Mm -hmm. And I think you've really illustrated that point very beautifully, that there are members of our community. The people getting abortions aren't stats. They're our friends, our family members, our coworkers, our neighbors, the people we go to school with. And whether we like to admit it or not, they're the people we go to church with. Mm -hmm. So it's up to us to stand in the gap and to be that person of support that can help these women get through a difficult time and help them raise their children. One of the things that we always did is we tried to do our uh, three events. You've got that kickoff event, the middle event, and then the closing event. We tried to make them as big as possible because there are some people who, man, they're never going to go out to the street. They're not built for that. Maybe their first foray into even acknowledging that they're pro-life is to come and attend an event where they see local pastors and speakers talk about uh, what the church community can do to help. And so if we can plant the seed and show the vision there and invite the press to those events, uh, then all of a sudden we've, we've introduced a whole new crowd of people, rather than just patting the people who have been involved on the back, uh, give a vision and, and call out uh, and invite new people to be involved. Uh, we found a, a great amount of success with that. In Tulsa, we had over 30 churches and about 2,000 people a year participate Uh, And I think largely because we spent so much time working on those events, on making sure that we had uh, several hundred people there, and making sure that we had the press there. We had, uh, you know, we had to work for it, but eventually we got uh, at least the local newspaper and generally at least one television station as well participating in that. 
Working through the media is a fantastic form of community outreach because it brings us into communication with people that we ordinarily wouldn't have the opportunity to communicate with. So I think you've done a fantastic job. So many of our leaders have done a wonderful job just spreading this message wherever they can. And, you know, we had a life saved earlier this summer by someone who saw a 40 Days for Life bumper sticker. You don't Hmm. think a bumper sticker will lead someone to action, but they saw it. They sent us an email. We responded. We directed them to their local pregnancy center, and they are very excited to have met their baby on the ultrasound machine. And, uh, you, you know, it, it's just when we get this message out, people respond and a difference is made. So let's talk about getting the message out because uh, we've done it through the campaigns for uh, several years now, but you're doing something brand new this year on the national level to get the word out in a big way. Talk to me about the United Tour. Yes. Earlier this year, we saw just sort of this palpable despair settling in among Christian Christians <laughs> in America. You know, I, I don't need to go through all of the things that are going wrong in our country. We all know about them. But we felt like we couldn't just do business as usual. And so we set out to launch what we call the United Campaign. And that means for the first time ever, we have all 50 U.S. states doing a campaign at the same time. We've had all 50 before, just never at the same time. And we're also... Uh, taking that as an opportunity to launch a 50-state bus tour. Now, the bus won't be going to Alaska or Hawaii. We'll be flying out separately to those states. But we want to get to every state for a big statewide rally, uniting the pro-life community, bringing people into something, helping them realize this is bigger than all of us, and encourage them to engage in prayer and to take peaceful action like they have never done before. So we're going to do uh, rallies in each each and every state, and we're going to do uh, stops at every vigil site along the route that we possibly can make more than 125 campaign stops on this bus tour throughout the course of the fall. And we hope it'll be a game changer. We're partnering with pro-life organizations across the spectrum from March for Life, Susan B. Anthony List, Silent No More, Students for Life, Heartbeat International. It's a big crew. So we're very excited about what this fall is going to hold and, and how the Lord will respond to our prayers. I've been on long bus trips, and so uh, I'll say a couple of those extra prayers for you all. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So if someone wanted, you know, I don't know if I have a a one close to me. Uh, I don't know that I could be involved on a normal basis. But hey, that that event sounds really interesting, that bus tour. Where where would I find out where you're going to hit my state? We have set up a specific website just for that purpose. It is 40daysunited.com, and you'll see the whole schedule there. You can click on your state and find all of the corresponding tour events along with it. And we'd love to see you there. We'd love to come meet you, shake your hand, encourage you, and most importantly, pray with you. I hope everybody listening will find their closest event and make it out. So we've been talking today with Steve Carlin. He's the director of North American Campaigns for the 40 Days for Life campaign. Uh, you can find out more information about them, and it's uh, 40 Days for Life, 40daysforlife, 40daysforlife.com. It's a great program. Uh, find the, the, the vigil nearest you. Find the campaign nearest you and see how you can get involved. It starts September 28th this year, goes to November 6th, uh, and it's something that, that really uh, you can make a difference in the life of a mother, in the life of an, un- an unborn child, and in the life of someone who uh, may be even working at an abortion facility. Your presence, your prayerful presence, can make the difference in the direction of someone's life. Well, uh, join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. 
Uh, tell me, have you been involved in a 40 Days for Life before? How many? What was your favorite hour of the day to go out and pray? Uh, we'll see you right over there, and I'll be right back with much more right after this break. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. You know, the time is upon us. It starts uh, just right around the corner. Oh, gosh, uh, 11 days, 11 days from now, and uh, the 40 Days for Life will start in your area. So go to 40daysforlife.com, and I'll put a link up on social media, as always. Uh, I want you to go over there, take a look at it, and see... What hours are open, specifically in that first week? That first week is a hard week to fill. So why don't you go right now over to the 40daysforlife.com slash the name of your city. For me, it's 40daysforlife.com slash Lexington. For you that are in Oklahoma, 40daysforlife.com slash Tulsa, so forth, so on. Or go to the website and look and see where the actual cities are. Uh, and there it says sign up for an hour. Why don't you do that? Why don't you say, you know what, I can go out and I can spend an hour in prayer and maybe no one will talk to me and that's perfect. Maybe I can just go and pray for people. Can you do that? I, you know, it, it takes some courage. It does. I understand that. There's this, uh, there's this divisiveness about the issue. Like we talked about it at the end of the first break. Um, and yet, uh, the Lord is with you, right? You're there being the light in the darkness, like Mother Teresa, like Saint Mother Teresa was in Calcutta, uh, bringing hope to people who otherwise have no hope. And, and what a gift and what a blessing you give when you do that. So, um, speaking of gifts and blessings, I want to talk to you about becoming a friend of the show. Why? Because I have a gift and a blessing for you. Uh, coming up next week, probably right about the time that 40 Days for Life is beginning into September, I'm going to be giving away a book. haven't decided which one yet, but if you follow me on Facebook, I will do a Facebook Live event sometime very soon, and I will announce what book I'm giving away and when uh, to one of my friends of the show. And all you have to do to become a friend of the show is say, hey, I like this show. This is a good show. I, I listen to it on podcast. I listen to it on terrestrial radio or live streaming. And uh, I, it's, it's one of the highlights of my week. And to you, I would say one of mine too. Hey, we have that in common. Let's be friends. And so you say, hey, I think that's a great idea. I'd love to be your friend. How do I do it? Well, you go to OutsideTheWalls.com and right up at the top in the menu bar, it says become a friend of the show. That drops down, you click a button, and uh, it takes you straight away to a place where you fill in your your billing information and uh, a card number, and you give whatever you want to give. Uh, you can give as, as little or as much per month as you want to give, but at least $10 a month makes you eligible for all of the great content, all of the great prizes that we give away on a fairly regular basis. Uh, and so follow me on Facebook. I'll put up the, the Facebook Live video of what book we're going to give away. I've got some really good ones that have come in recently from both Ignatius Press and Ave Maria Press that I'm deciding whether I'm going to give to you or keep. Uh, but I, I've got plenty in the library to give away. 
So I want you to go whenever you have time because you know you know you like the show. You do. And what's 10 bucks a month? I mean, it's a couple of coffees. And uh, and for me, you know, that's a that we can we can feed six kids with with 10 bucks a month. So thank you. I appreciate it because I have I just happen to have six kids that that will work perfectly for. Uh, So uh, let's go ahead and um, become friends. Yeah, let's become friends. If you're not ready to become a friend of the show yet, that's okay. You can become my friend on Facebook, facebook.com slash step outside the walls or on Twitter. The handle is at outside the walls or I like pictures. You can come to Instagram, Instagram. The, uh, the, the username there is step outside the walls as well. Just step outside the walls, not step outside the walls as well. Right. You you get, you get the drift. So, uh, let's go ahead. There's some great readings. We, We were going through last week and I was feeling just awful. I was feeling awful and Wednesday hit and I was just starting to feel a little bit better. And I looked at my calendar and joy of joys. It was the, uh, the exaltation of the Holy cross and friends, um, that was one of my first Catholic experiences was the exaltation of the Holy Cross. I, I um, was visiting my cousin who was a Catholic priest in Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, at the time, he was in a little church, uh, and I don't remember the name, maybe Ringgold, Louisiana. Uh, I don't remember exactly the one, but it was a, it was a big feast for them. And they had the cross out, and they reverenced the cross, and the, the Mass was... Uh, all chanted and and this this was my first time with an outdoor procession and with a reverencing of the cross and I didn't know completely what to make of it but it, but it was intriguing to me and so to this day still uh, I tear up and I am tearing up now because I am a uh, I was going to say a dork but I I am profoundly moved my friends by the cross. Uh, I am profoundly moved by the exaltation of the Holy Cross. Uh, you know, I, I wrote a song uh, a few years ago, and I put it up every Good Friday, free download, uh, about the crucifixion, because it's in the cross that we find our redemption. It's in the cross that we find uh, the cross of Christ. It's in Christ's death on that cross that we find our forgiveness and reconciliation with God. The resurrection gives us hope, and it lets us know that he is God, but it's his sacrifice on the cross that frees us. And so, oh, so that that helped me so much in the midst of my woundedness and sickness, both physically uh, and spiritually, was to encounter that wonderful uh, feast right in the middle of the day and the readings that were given to us by the church. Those aren't the ones we're going to hit, but I just wanted to tell you how much I love that. And then we had several just solid feast days in a row uh, that just nourished my soul with just the readings, even though I was not well enough to make it into daily Mass. Uh, And even if you're not well enough, or even if you don't have uh, your work schedule conflicts with daily Mass, those daily readings, you can get to usccb.org, they will nourish your soul and they'll take you about five minutes. I just encourage you to do that if you can. Today we're going to read from the Responsorial Psalm. It's real short, but it's encouraging to us as we contemplate doing the 40 Days for Life, going out and being a public witness. And so let's let's hear this word from Psalm 56. I will walk in the presence of God 
in the light of the living. Now, I know that God is with me. In God, in whose promise I glory, in God I trust without fear. What can flesh do against me? I will walk in the presence of God in the light of the living. I am bound, O God, by vows to you. Your thank offerings I will fulfill, for you have rescued me from death, my feet too from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living. I will walk in the presence of God in the light of the living. Today's reading from Church History, we're going to pull from a treatise on the ascent of the mind to God by St. Robert Bellarmine, who is uh, the today's feast it is. He's a uh, bishop and doctor of the church. Sweet Lord, you are meek and merciful. Who would not give himself wholeheartedly to your service if he began to taste even a little of your fatherly rule? What command, Lord, do you give your servants? Take my yoke upon you, you say. And what is this yoke of yours like? My yoke, you say, is easy and my burden is light. Who would not be glad to bear a yoke that does not press hard but caresses? Who would not be glad for a burden that does not weigh heavy but refreshes? And so you were right to add, and you will find rest for your souls. And what is this yoke of yours that does not weary but gives rest? It is, of course, that first and greatest commandment. You shall shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. What is easier, sweeter, and more pleasant than to love goodness, beauty, and love, the fullness of which you are, O Lord my God? Is it not true that you promise to those who keep your commandments a reward more desirable than great wealth and sweeter than honey? You promise a most abundant reward, for as your Apostle James says, the Lord has prepared a crown of life for those who love him. What is this crown of life? It is surely greater good than we can conceive of or desire. As St. Paul says, quoting Isaiah, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it so much as dawned on man what God has prepared for those who love him. Truly, then, the recompense is great for those who keep your commandments. The first and greatest commandment helps man who obeys, not the God who commands. In addition, the other commandments of God perfect the man who obeys them. They provide him with what he needs. They instruct and enlighten him and make him good and blessed. If you are wise, then, know that you have been created for the glory of God and your own eternal salvation. This is your goal. This is the center of your life. This is the treasure of your heart. If you reach this goal, you will find happiness. If you fail to reach it, you'll find misery. May you consider truly good whatever leads you to your goal, and truly evil whatever makes you fall away from it. Prosperity and adversity, wealth and power, health and sickness, honors and humiliations, life and death and the mind of the wise man— are not to be sought for their own sake, nor avoided for their own sake. But if they contribute to the glory of God and your eternal happiness, then they are good and should be sought. If they detract from this, they are evil and must be avoided. And that reading comes from a treatise on the ascent of the mind to God by St. Robert Bellarmine. Uh, And what a profound reading for us today to examine things based on What is this going to do for us eternally? That's what this show is about. I hope that this week that you find and seek 
and gift yourself over to the good, the beautiful, and the true. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio, heard around the world on live streaming, terrestrial radio, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.